0: All right, welcome to episode four of Live Life on the Edge podcast. With me, I got a good friend and colleague in the industry, Jeremy Drury with IoT Diagnostics. Jeremy, thanks for joining us today. Hey, Adam, good to see you. Always a pleasure chatting with you. Thanks for having me. You too, man. Hey, um, so we've known each other for a couple of years now, right? Through the food power industry. I think we have similar stories. Um, You guys do some pretty interesting stuff. For the people listening in, will you give them an overview of IOT diagnostics, what it is you guys do, and then maybe a history of, of where you came from, like how you incubated how you got to where you are? Yeah, sure thing. Um, yeah, so,
1: I mean, in short, I'll try and make this like a, this is a baseball, kind of easy, uh, you know, and so we do, simply put, end-to-end fluid power IOT, predominantly focused on factory floor applications. And so when I say end-to-end, you can use one-stop shop, uh, full stack, you know, whatever kind of term you, you want. And, and the way that we focus on that and the way that we try to make it easy for our customers, we kind of have this adage of IoT one, two, three. We just want to make it as simple as 1, because we feel like there are three key components to any good like factory floor IoT installation, right? And you got you to gotta make the data, you got to move it somewhere, and then you got to manage it. Uh, And so, and so we, you know, we focus on solutions for all three of those and and pull it all together. And so we do proprietary sensing hardware for things like pump monitoring, fluid monitoring, filter monitoring, rotating equipment monitoring. Uh, And then we pull into, you know, we also have our own gateway type of uh, data collection equipment as well. Uh, But then the tricky middle piece of that, the bridge, is that that the, the movement of the data and where we see a lot of customers struggle early on is, okay, I can put a sensor on something, an analog sensor, and it's going to spit zeros and ones. And so you have to scale yeah. and configure that data and get things on the network. Um, and, you know, I, I assure you, I will not knock any big co's uh, yeah. as, a, as a part of this episode. So a big co not to be named, um, you know, they have cool stuff. But good grief, it takes like eight PhDs to be able to get the things like online and up and running. For sure. And so we dove right into that. And so we created an experience that we call IoT Assist that basically just makes things simple, quick, you know, quick click throughs um, that can get any sensor online, scaled, configured, and in the dashboard kind of visual experience in just a couple of minutes. Um, And so that's that kind of middle piece. And then, of course, we have our own. Uh, visualization tools, you know, so you can see, you know, when you think traditional IoT, it's trending and you know dashboards and gauges, um, alarm setting, and then all the SMS and email notifications when you know things are uh, you know things aren't uh, trending and tracking the the way that they should.
0: So okay, so just for me to kind of recap a little bit, you're taking the friction out of customer has a problem or that they have a process they want to monitor and they're going to go out there and you're going to deploy your hardware, maybe your sensors, maybe other sensors. It's going to click in very easily um, and, and you're going to take the whole friction process out of, hey, what's the sensor? Um, how do I make it from zero to five volts, this type of pressure and to what input? And then how do I get that to my cloud and how do I start looking at data in minutes or hours rather than days, weeks, months?
1: Yeah, no, that, that nails it. And, and because, you know, like, of course, unplanned downtime is the big problem, right? But then sure. when you really get into like, the IoT in and of itself is a great solution to that, but then IoT in and of itself has its own yeah. problems. And especially on the factory floor side, the one that we continue to find is, there's a, there's a hyper fragmentation in the market. And so, you know, ultimately what happens is then you already have these time taxed maintenance and reliability guys, operations people, Production people, and then they've got to go grocery shopping and they've got to go with all this time they don't have and go and make sure that, you know, well, I want this sensor and I want this over here. And okay, you may be able to pull that off, but then what happens when there's a firmware update over here, but then a different firmware update on this system? Do they now, do they still communicate? What if this company's not in lockstep with this company? And so just everything falls apart, which is again why I would argue that, frankly, between you and me and all your listeners, Pilot purgatory is still a thing because people <laughs> aren't still figuring out how to get through that initial, initial setup.
0: Yeah, so, so um, what you just said is so true. We have an application of Pacific Northwest right now on filters. And that point of if you're going to try to take the separate Lego pieces and build it yourself, especially in a pilot, um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: that is a lot of custom software and integration that you need to support now. Yep. And that takes you away from, or it can take you away from focusing on the actual business problem you're trying to solve. By partnering with full stack companies, right? Like IoT Diagnostic, you guys are taking all that burden on you've invested. I don't even want to think about how much into making make sure that you have a process, a scalable process, the team members to make that happen and then allow the folks that are driving the operations or, or in charge of that to focus on that and yep. making sure that holds up in the blood, the blood, the mud, the blood, and the beer, rather than trying to worry about the bits and bites.
1: Bingo, nailed it.
0: Awesome, man. Awesome. So, I know a little bit about how you guys started, only a little bit though. So, I'm fascinated to hear the story. It's similar to ours, I believe. Yep. So, can you tell us a little bit about where the idea came from? You know, kind of like first applications, and when you decided to to really spin it out as as a complete standalone company and, and go after this sector.
1: Yeah, no, it's good. I'll I'll try and keep the 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 story short, uh, short short and sweet. Because I could I could definitely reminisce here a bit. But uh, you know I think when you know when I when I was given the simple of what we do is end to end fluid power IoT. Fluid power is in our DNA, right? And I think it's important that we that we start there, right? Because mm-hmm. we're not a Silicon Valley startup. You know I, I've I've now started to see a bunch of software first hey, I've got a temperature sensor and I can tell you everything there is to know. No, no, I'll, I'll, I'll also try not to use any profanities on this episode, but no, it's just not, it's not accurate, right? For sure. And so what, what happens in that is one luxury that we, that we have is we don't have to cram the night before a big meeting when we're trying to solve a customer problem because we've been doing it for decades yeah. because we spun out of a 50 plus year old uh, fluid power distributor in the Midwest called Hydratech. Um, so Hydratech was a big, or is a big, you know, Rex Roth, Hydak, Sun, you know, and so we know, uh, we, you know, most of my team actually spun out uh, from, from Hydratech back in 2017, right? And so these awesome. are guys that serviced pumps, motors, they know lubrication, they know filtration, they know how it works, and because of that, we already are prescriptive in our pursuit of the solution, right? Because we we already know the problems, and we are the ones now because we don't have day-to-day you know we're not running fluid power systems day-to-day we could use our day-to-day to to make those that whose day-to-day is to run fluid power systems easier with technology right and so we pulled in some really great resources to kind of again pull off the full stack where we can say hey you know now not only are we going to make and move data but it's that management piece is where all the value is right because again you know if you if you come from a traditional setup uh, think about your automobile, right? Historically, you, you know, you get a check engine light. What do you do? If you're not a mechanic, you go and take it to a mechanic. They're going to tell you what's, what's going on with it. Or if you're one of those people, you'll just ignore it until something actually goes catastrophically wrong with your car, yeah. which we, good Lord knows we know plenty of them in the fluid power space
0: For uh, sure. when, it to,
1: when it comes to their equipment. And so what we want to do is, you know, we want to go beyond just telling you that, hey, you're your case pressure and case temperature are out of spec, you know, on your, on your axial piston pump, right? And, you know, our big philosophy is in connecting the dots, because if you are just looking at your pump health, good for you, but imagine if you also knew what was going on in your fluid chemistry and in your filtration, and you could start to track, well, if your you know, if your ISO 4 particles are, you know, skyrocketing and you've got, you know, less than four micron particles roaring through your system, you can guarantee you're gonna to start to see deficiencies in your pump. And so our goal is to help, especially the incoming fluid power professionals that maybe miss the gap of being well-trained by the machine whisperers of old. For sure. They're gonna to have to rely on technology to say, well, what do I do now? You know. And so we wanna create this really simple kind of paint by numbers where it's not only, let me tell you this data today, but then we're going to split it and look at both sides. Let me tell you, let me tell you the story of what actually led up to this. So let's walk through the degradation branch of what led up to this. And if you don't do anything about it, we're going to go ahead and tell you what else is going to go down in the future, based on all of the machine learning and predictive modeling that we're doing as a, as a part of the the monitoring.
0: Interesting. So, okay. You just touched on something that I think is so important. People might not realize uh, if they're not from our industry, there is a major, major, major exit of these machine whispers right Fluid power is not recruiting people that are millennials and young. Right. they're not coming and it's not just on the suppliers or the distributors it's at the oems and the consumers of it they're losing it they're just losing this this wealth of knowledge and so i think that technologies like yours um, we had andrew on on recently um, they can tell more and more about the information and the why yep. but you don't you know how that, how that came about. So I think that's phenomenal, right? I think this is overlooked and, but I think it's a major need that people it's going to hit them like a train trap which is huge. Uh, okay. So the The other question I have though, is when you found this out inside your, your parent company or your sister yep. company, yep. how did that, like, how did that story happen? Was this something yep. that was an internal issue? Was it a customer issue? And when did, when did you guys know that it's time to, to spin it out as a separate company, right? Yeah. And the reason I love it is in the consumer world, um, you talk about solving problems that you have. Well, with you guys, you're solving problems that the industry has. And that's where that you're coming from the bottom up rather than the top down, which is super fascinating to me.
1: Yeah. And so no, that's, that's great. And so, you know, the story actually starts back in 2008. Um, and so the second generation, at the time, the second generation family owner of Hydrotech, a gentleman by the name of Rex Weatherall, uh, who's a who's a brilliant guy, uh, just you know, bleeds fluid, pow- you know, bleeds fluid yeah. power. Um, you know, he had this idea for a, a case monitoring pump device, right? And this is, you know, not this was purely analog, you know, idiot lights, red green, you yeah. know, on a on a device that just saying, hey, when something. That there, Yeah, go into a tower um, and he surveyed the market and there wasn't, there wasn't anything out there that was, would do that like as, as so fixed on, uh you know, on the case. And so he went and pursued some IP. So we've got, you know, as a company, we've got six patents now and all of our other stuff, but it started with this, what we call the pump MD and really looking at, you know, how to have a really good case monitoring pump, uh, pump monitoring device. And how do you actually start to extract efficiency you know, out of out of those those measurements, and so, but the challenge is, and that's where my background comes in. Is I'm a I'm a global products and a branding guy, right? And Hydrotech being a distributor, um, distributors aren't typically product designers, For right? Sure, and sure. so, an, a really cool idea. It's easy to sit on the back burner, and so it was kind of this kind of a uh, fledgling, long, you yeah. know, uh, idea until around like 2014, 2015 where it started to you know, get some traction still as an analog device. And then a, a friend of the company sat down with Rex and said, you know what, man, this would be a really cool IOT device. Nice. And, and Rex would tell you the story himself. Rex's response was, what's IOT? You know? <laughs> uh, and, I know you uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, that seed there uh, was like, okay, well, maybe there's something here. So then that was when the, the PumpMD shifted from more of an analog device to a digital device. Because how cool would it be to kind of move beyond the tower light as we all know now and and have that have that information and so so then iot diagnostics uh started basically to drive that that product to market so in in october of 2016 the formal paperwork was signed to start iot diagnostics and um and so i got connected with rex in january of 2017 he slid the pump md across the breakfast table for me in our first meeting and says man I need someone to take I need someone to take this to the promised land and if the more you would get to know Rex he's a really hard guy to say no to yeah. uh, and and so we started uh, started the company definitely more skunk works e for the first you know 16 18 months um, but now you know as it, as it gets into almost uh, you know q4 here we've got 12 12 products that we are you um, know uh, hitting the market with again so now we go from pump fluid, the filters to rotating equipment because again there's a there's a bigger story to tell when you can start connecting all those all those pieces together.
0: That's super interesting. So you guys will handle you'll actually build the custom hardware as well as the software and you're filling in those gaps. You're expanding it right you start here and then we're going to expand to tell the the health of the system. So so is your sales path in through both channel and direct to customer are you direct to the customer and then bringing in channel and this is a this is something that we struggle with in the industry all the time right yep. because suppliers do it distributors do it what yep. what's what's your take on this um how are you guys doing it coming from fluid power
1: yeah sure thing you know i mean we're a big we're a big proponent of land and expand right and so um now we're fortunate being in the Midwest, you know, 80 plus percent of manufacturing is within a six hour drive of Cincinnati, Ohio, where we're
0: that's, where a, good, we're that's a good spot to be in. <laughs> yes.
1: Um, you know, but because of our of again where we came from, and, and and so channel distribution is also in our DNA, right? And so, you know, we will continue to flood the market via our channel partners. Um, uh, but the, the two caveats I, I have to that is one, you know, in in early 2019, we started a, a fractional business that we call the IoT Clinic because, again, we, were, we had OEM-style companies that had big digital transformation ideas. But as you all well know, the bigger the company, you know, a, a board or a C-suite can have big, sexy things like we want to be a data-centric company by 2025. And all the trickle-down people in the organi- organization are like, cool, what does that actually mean? You know, sure. and, then, and then so we would come in kind of as an outsider's perspective and say, OK, well, you know, we can help you actualize kind of your early pieces of this. So that's that's really our primary like direct path. But, you know, these getting to market is through channel. And I, I think what will be interesting um, and if if there are any uh, U.S.-based channel distributors that will listen in to this podcast, like I'm sure there will be. We love some of the work that we're actually doing with one of our channel partners in New Zealand. Right. Huh. And um, and so they're taking a, a to me, they're, they're a bit ahead um, with their model because they are basically taking our equipment and integrating in it, integrating it into their service business that they're driving to their customers. So they're saying, hey, you know, what, customer maintenance and reliability is a big deal. You know, you don't spend enough time and money on it. So Why don't you just pay <laughs> us and we'll outfit you with the sensors. We'll replace your filters. We'll look at your fluid and make sure that it's staying up to beat. Um, and man, they're just crushing it over there with, with that model. And I worry that sometimes here in the U.S. that we're still, because we've been so good at it, we just love to pass widgets. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's just what we just pass the, pass the most valuable widget through. And we just see such a, a value laydown for distribution companies that have service arms. I mean, to be able to integrate, again, uh, you know, years ago, I talked about the whole difference between advancing from being an, an enabler. To an integrator. Right. You know, and and so when you can go and you can do more than just, Hey, I'm going to give you the latest thing to make your business better. Well, I want to go a step beyond that and actually get in your business because I want to be able to, you know, the the day that you can show up to the right person with the right solution at the right time, you will never be replaced at that company as, as a provider.
0: Yeah, now, now you're also tied to their outcomes and their performance, their outcomes, right, so the, the partnership yeah. gets stronger. I think that's super smart and I think also the partners that we have in North America, they really look at, um, they really provide a lot of value-added services, right, they're yep. different, they're not passing the widget, so I think there is there is a, a major shift that starting to happen 10-15 years ago of these larger value-added system integrators. They still, they still do all the supply chain and the, and, 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 and the inventory and all that stuff, but they are doing more of this. That's a super interesting business model. And I think what's compelling about it is I believe technologies like, like IOT Diagnostics that it enables pull through, it's yep. not the product to sell, right? So if I'm a salesperson inside the fluid power industry, I'm not trying to figure out what's the margin I can sell on this device, but actually, What's everything else I can sell behind it? And how does that change my relationship with the customer? So I think that's a paradigm shift as well. And I, yeah. I would imagine this happens. I mean, you and I have never talked about it, but I'd imagine you go into a customer, you deploy a system, you do an, an MD clinic or you do an IOT diagnostics, that relationship's got to evolve.
1: Absolutely. And, and and you know, and so the, the real challenge to channel distributors is, Outcome based business is right around the corner, you know, where it's, you know, what we're not really even moving widgets anymore. We are moving equipment in there that's going to influence your outcomes, and that's how you're going to pay us for it, you know. And so, the whole the more that, you know, I think as we've talked about before, you know, in our everything connected world, especially in our personal lives, and the more time that we're spending working from home, you know, the more that everything in our personal lives are connected, and we just have that expectation that we're constantly using and managing data in our personal lives, when we get to our workplace and we have that disconnect where things don't feel connected and things feel very paper heavy and all of that, there's going to be a big ache, you know, that, that drives through that. And so, you know, with GE already kind of doing the pay by thrust, you know, our business model is set up in the future to also, you know, go into, okay, well, we would just rather, you know, have you purchase based on much uptime that we're creating for you yep. you know it's a big challenge to you know the the channel distributors who say okay how how ahead of the game can they be on on being ready to respond as the market continues to shift that way
0: yeah so it's so the, uh, the earlier comment we had too about about the employment gap people leaving that piece of it if i'm a distributor integrator and you're gonna have the talent or the technology to make your customers. Very successful, that piece of it's gonna play right in there because those skill sets they have internally are leaving as well.
1: And so if you're able to be at,
0: oh it's funny, it's funny how it all kind of comes full circle. But I mean, just today I had a meeting with some with some partners of ours overseas and they want to do a full opex deployment, Mm -hmm. and we don't see that in the US yet. We haven't seen it really truly embraced in the US. And they're like, no, we want to know what the full opex is for a three-year, five-year contract supply right. all the hardware, supply everything and, um, and they, and, and overseas, they, they seem to be a little more innovative than we are here. They push the envelope a little bit. Yep. And so, um, I think you're absolutely spot on. It's coming here really, really quickly. Yep. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so, so a couple other questions for you. So what's the hardest thing you've experienced from bringing new technology into our industry? And what would you advise either companies that are incubating new technology internally or partnering with companies like yourself, like us, to embrace it and deploy it?
1: Yeah. You know, I think there's, um, those are great questions. You know, I will still say, and I think it's one of the things that a lot of startups miss is patience is a virtue, you know, because like our, literally our hair is just on fire constantly because like every day is a fight for survival. Right. (laughs) And so you're just begging and, pull you know trying to pull the market forward and you know and it's it's one of those that I've talked about before where the the danger you know is like when you leap across a chasm of value and you're you're in future value land and you are begging people who are afraid to make that leap over to get that value at some point you've got to abandon that strategy and jump back to them because I think a lot of what happens is people say okay we're going to start building the bridge back to those, and guess what? Every day that I'm building that bridge back, guess who's still not moving in that equation? Yeah, sure. It's the customers, you know, and, and, you know, one of the funny stories that we always have is, is, you know, that, you know, we always have to be simple, right, is our, our, our initial pump MD has had one arrow on it, like, for basically how you would install it in the direction of flow, and people would get it wrong all the time. They would, they would install <laughs> it, and then, so we put two arrows on it, would still install it and so now like it's literally got three different arrows on it where it's just like hey like literally the flow it says flow on there it's supposed to go this way um and and that's not a knock on the 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 people that are installing it to me that's the empathy of like these guys are so freaking stressed out and busy like yeah common mistakes happen we know it because we work super fast pace you know like i try and make sure that you know on any given week I'm making better decisions than mistakes. And that's never a hundred to zero, you know, like there's always things that, that happen with speed. And so, you know, the the ability to just stop for a second and listen to the customer and listen to what is still pain points for them. And that's why, you know, one of the big, um, it's not a trade secret of ours by any means, but I think it's a clever approach that we have is we are very application specific, right? Is like, we are not trying yeah. to bolt on a sandbox on top of a company we're starting to say, hey, you know what? Like Your power unit applications, A, because they scale, because they go everywhere, let's start there. That's a common problem, it keeps you up at night. Let's start with that and let's outfit one of those and then watch how quickly, and we have, Adam, we have seen that win and scale at every single company that we've started, that.
0: You're preaching the choir. Yep. So I think that being application specific, being purposeful built for our industry is huge. I think yep. people have come out there and say hey we have this this big horizontal solution and we can do anything for you and hey what do you do over here for this do that no i think you have to pick a market pick an application and go on it and i think that you know what we've experienced is a lot of customers are a lot more opt to partner in an ecosystem yep. and three or four years ago they weren't so you had to come kind of bring in the one platform that could do everything yeah i so, so i think this is super important for our industry because if I'm going to a fluid power uh, distributor integrator that builds power units, and I just want to use your, you know, your tool, then I can use your tool, your application, your cloud, your full stack deploy it, and that ramp up is, is a lot. You're, you're focusing more on the business and how to support the new business models than you are the technologies being deployed.
1: Yeah, and and again, I think a lot of it, Adam, is because like I also, you know. Eight times out of ten, we're selling to doers and implementers, not C suites, right? If, if if our business model was to sell to C suites, heck yeah, I'm going to sell them the enterprise platform. This thing can go as horizontal. Absolutely. As horizontal. Let's go boil the ocean together, you know. Yeah. But the reality is, is like that's not that's not where we serve because again, we've you know we know fluid power, and so it's really easy for us to slot into someone who's there, you know, servicing this equipment and using it every day. And when you talk about their problems, they're never going to talk to you about network connectivity. They're going to talk to you about the fact that you know maybe that what their mode of operation is is they've got buckets underneath their leaky hoses, and then at the end of every shift, someone just takes that bucket and just dumps it back in the tank. Absolutely. You know? <laughs> so. Yeah.
0: Uh, our our first use case five years ago, six years ago now, six now, was um was a steel mill with a power unit, and it had a leak in it and the power unit alarm clock was going off and shift one put styrofoam and duct tape around it and- so you, so you <laughs> couldn't hear it and so and so it, it broke and and uh, it went down and it wasn't the cost of the power it was the cost of the downtime right but that's but I, that that's the industry you're so busy you don't have enough resources Things like you know, this later and adam they're, they're 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 more jobs are getting cut they're continuing
1: 100%. to ask to do more with less i mean I, you know my favorite one of those is like we knew a guy a uh, maintenance guy that you know he basically had your traditional kind of mechanical uh, filter pressure indicators little turkey basters and he got so tired of those popping all the time he just stopped paying attention to them oh we yeah a billion dollar downtime event
0: yeah cuz they had
1: a massive cuz he's just like i can't i can't deal with hundreds of little, you know, every time I will turn around, a, a filter indicator is is coming off, and so I don't know. Like, is my housing incorrectly sized?
0: I just I, frankly, I just don't want to deal with it anymore. Interesting. And then, boom.
1: Major downtime event.
0: You know. Interesting. So, okay. So, question I have: we be a little geeky here. So, um, when the data gets into your application, and and I have a large fleet of, of pumps or presses or power units or whatever. And it's really great for the operator in that, that shift or the or the or the uh, shift supervisor, but now IT wants that data. Yep. How have you guys made it easy to transfer that data? Right. So, so take it, so you have the barriers of just point, the actual hardware, but yep. now you want to get, you want to get that information to someplace else. Right. What have you guys done there? If you haven't done stuff there, what's the plans to do stuff there? What's your approach? Stuff like that.
1: Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, uh, and that is, that is the money question, right? You right. know, and, and so for us, you know, we are, um, you know, we are in the process of really hammering out a really solid data governance policy. You know, I, I would encourage yeah. every organization, you know, especially once, you know, I mean, things are serviceable through pilot phases, but then at, at scale, especially the larger companies that you, you know, start to work for, it's, it's a, it's a pay to play at that point. Right. For sure. And so, you know, the way that our kind of managed that third, piece um, it has a really kind of savvy way to um, securely do different user groups you know different kind of stack right, user right. groups right um, where you know through certain levels of encryption and, and, authentication, and so, authentication so i'm an
0: abc packing company and you're in there and i'm going to have some type of authentication to my data yeah going to be there and you guys are going to work with me on some type of service that says hey we're, we, we have all of our governance, we're doing our security here, we'll work with you to create some automated way that that data can come into your system.
1: Yeah, ab- absolutely. And so, and so it, there's a really like, and then it's always the balance is again, because we never want to miss the simplification of the process, right? You sure. know? And so, and so the winner will be who can maintain the highest level of security as easy as possible, right? Absolutely. And so, I mean, because historically, like, when everything was a bit more kind of analog and, and ad hoc, you know, like a customer would, would reach out to us and they would want a piece of equipment. And it was always pretty funny because we're like, great, uh, here's a one pager. Can you please send this to your IT department before we actually continue the conversation? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like what like what a way to like receive, be like, cool, thanks for being interested in what we're doing, but we've seen the right, like we know how this goes. Yeah. So why don't you go, I know you probably don't even know the IT manager's name, But why don't you go ahead and like, you know, integrate that person in. um, And, but we are finding a lot better, like smoothing of, of that process, you know, even in the last eight months. nobody wants to go talk to their own internal IT team, right?
0: Right, right.
1: And so there's... Nobody
0: wants to go talk to their internal IT team. Yeah. That's awesome. So, so big, so your biggest use case, man, talk to us about some wins. Just talk to us about some applications, some use cases, kind of paint the picture, something that's that's neat that gets, that gets, you know, people excited. Maybe they don't know much about industrial IOT. They don't know much about the food market. Like what's been the, like the really cool, like the customers gone, aha, or this is awesome or whatever, whatever that's about.
1: Yep. Yeah. Uh, so I got, I got three, three short ones for you, you know, so one in the, uh, you know, we'll call use case one, like the traditional IOT diagnostics will be successful. The more that we can replicate this, and this is kind of our entire business model. And again, it's that it's that connect the dots piece, right? Where you know we launched into, you know, we got introduced into one major global company, uh, you know, near near Cincinnati, and you know they they were having constant fluid uh, fluid issues. So we deployed one of our fluid monitoring slash varnish varnish control systems, saved them a 25k uh, you know oil replacement, right? Wow. Um, and so like, so now, now the door is cracked, you know, and then, so from there we started them on a filter monitoring pilot and then within the first 10 days found that their entire filter housing setup was incorrectly sized. So no wonder, and this, and by the way, this isn't the person that had the million dollar downtime. Uh, this was a different, uh, you know, a, a different setup. And so man, this guy was like a kid in a candy store when he like finally understood the route of, of that problem. Okay, so now we've now we've layered on an additional thing. And then, uh, you know, they were really big into energy monitoring, they're a European parented company, they're really big in ISO 50001. Um, and so we deployed a whole fleet of our dock devices, which that's our, our analog, or sorry, not our analog, but it's basically our data collector slash gateway. So we're monitoring everything under the sun in this section to see what what's actually uh, you know, causing energy, uh, energy sucks. And, um, uh, and it was funny because as we're doing that, we started to identify some issues that he was having in his accumulator, uh, which was tangential. Cause again, now we're, now we're in the managed data piece of it. You can yeah. really start to identify stuff. And so, and now we're doing vibration. And so again, it's like, just boom, 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 you know, and, and there's global buy-in to what we're doing over there now because they, they actually see the, the benefit of it. So that's use case one. That's so cool. Use case two is a topic that I've talked about out at, um, at IFBI earlier this year. And it's the whole idea of like companies like yours and mine that can really drive to be the nucleus of an ecosystem of value. And so there's another big company that we're working with to help them better uh, prevent steam turbine downtime. Because Again, it's in power generation, massive, expensive downtime events. And so, you know, our fluid monitoring system is in there and it's, and it's you know, distributing data. But there's literally like five key, all different companies that are circling around. And like, that's the beauty of IoT that I think people are scared of. But there's literally research companies, end users, the fluid supplier, tribologists, like yeah. everyone's literally circling around this data that we're just like safely and securely churning out to everybody. And then we'll get on the phone and be like, oh my gosh, like, does it,
0: does you guys see what this is doing? And you guys see, yeah. and like, Everyone's just blown away, you know, yeah. by like how, how cool this is hey, doing. And so it's, it's, like having a, it's like having a thread of your machine and the machine is giving you some information and you can collaborate around it. Like that piece of it, when people first have their first collaboration around data of a machine, it changes the game. It's, Adam, imagine sitting
1: in a conference room table where everybody has information rather than assumptions. Crazy.
0: <laughs> <I> mean, like, <laughs> hey, that, that, that means less PowerPoints. that's
1: that's exactly right because now everyone's saying now it's not well what do you think and what do you think like everyone's looking at the same data and being like guys no like here's actually what this is so like what does that mean for you and for you and how can we collect like it just so cool. all of the the rigmarole of like how relationships usually start and feel kind of weird all of that just disappears when you're actually sure, sure. starting on a, in a good piece of data and so then the third one Final, it's just again solving um, simple but really big business problems. So, you know, one of our other partners, um, you know, they're working on a big timber application and they, you know, the company they were working for is about to expand. Um, and again, we were looking at stuff on there and found that they were using about an eighth of the power that the people that were supplying them the equipment said that they needed. So they're about to expand their whole facility, buying the same equipment, and suddenly we told them that, well, hey, before you go and invest X amount, $100,000 on this equipment, you don't you don't actually need it that that robust and that oversized. And so, this, cool. again, a massive savings event um, for them, all because, frankly, they've just got data that they're looking at. And again, this isn't, you know, the basic stuff. You don't need to have a data science de- degree to look yeah. at it and be like, well, someone told me it should be here, and we're actually showing it here, so... Yeah. Okay, that's, a, that's, an easy, that's an easy kind of react and move kind of decision.
0: It's funny because I always say that like AI and data science kind of for the PowerPoint. And then you might do some machine learning maybe, but it's probably just some very basic data analytics and regression type analysis. And that is the low hanging fruit. And there, there is go. so much waste inside the, the industry financially um, productivity, efficiency, or energy that the payoff's huge, man. That's payoffs huge. So, uh, it's kind of wrap it up. What are you excited about? Like when you look at the industry, like what, I mean, you're a visionary, you've seen this, you know, I've had, I've had talks about where it's going. What, what excites you? Like what, what do you see down, you know, either they're in COVID, post COVID, you name it. What's, uh, yeah. what's, what, what pumps you up?
1: Yeah. Uh, to me, I believe, you know, when I think about the kind of the, the, Pendulum model of research and then investment, you know, I feel like literally that that Pendulum of research is pulled back about as high as it could possibly go at this point because you know, what was 18 months ago even to sell a sub thousand dollar sensor system. Oh My gosh, the the sales cycle to do that was just Insanely long, you know, um, and then now, you know, before COVID hit at the beginning of the year, I mean, we did a little road tour just in just in Ohio back in January, and we would literally, within an hour, talk to someone, understand their problem, present them a solution, they're like, all right, let's do it, you know? And we're like, wait, I'm like, like let's actually do it, you know? <laughs> so um, and then I know, you know, COVID's obviously corrupted a lot of people's budget. People are still just kind of uncertain. And so, you know, we've definitely, obviously we've had some things go on on hold, but, all that time of like, okay, I'm just going to wait and see, wait and see, wait and see. Um, you know, I, I genuinely see that, that you know, starting to accelerate. Because for me, like, when I think about your traditional technology adoption curve, right, when you go from innovators to early adopters to early majority and through those, I have a sneaking suspicion that the fluid power version of that is literally like 10% innovators and then everybody else minus like the final 5%. Like, I don't, I don't think it's going to hit as much of the like, early adopters, late adopters. It's just like once once you get through the initial, then everybody's playing at that point.
0: You are spot on with that. I've lived that my whole career. I've seen it. You have that 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 initial prime the pump early adapters and then it just catches on. And then like you said, there's a five percent where you know people are still using, you know, wires to do like you know cables and to, to do stuff that electronics can do. Yeah. was was just fascinating, man. So if people want to learn more about about your product. What's a good website for them to check out? I think there's going to be some people that listen in that are going to find what you do super interesting and uh, compelling for the the factory floor. Yeah, sure thing. I appreciate that.
1: Yeah, simplest way, go to iotdiag.com. So that's iotdiag.com. That's our main website hub. You can learn a lot about us. Uh, And then, you know, of course, always uh, feel free to shoot me a follow on LinkedIn and we can keep the the conversation
0: going over there. Awesome. Hey, man, thanks for... Thanks for uh, joining me, and uh, excited to uh, excited to uh, see see how you guys grow this year. Yeah,
1: sure thing. Likewise, man. Love what you're doing with this. Keep that keep that message going. Keep people moving forward, man.
0: Appreciate it.